Well, my family, we had an early Christmas this year. Uh, myself and uh, my brother, we're spending time with some different family this year on Christmas Day. So we decided as our immediate family with my parents that we would do Christmas early. We'd have our fake Christmas early. So we did that on Friday, uh, Friday, just two days ago. And it was wonderful. I, I love the snow. I don't know about you, but I really love, I really enjoy the snow. And, and there's something about when it snows, at least in me, that fosters like the Christmas spirit, right? That first big snow, it just makes you think about Christmas presents and trees. And we really hadn't had like a, any significant snowfall up until Friday. It was the Christmas miracle. We all wanted that we were having Christmas on Friday and then God let it snow. And we were praying harder than the people in town that were praying that it wouldn't snow. And that's one of the benefits of being a pastor. And so we had this wonderful Christmas where we had, you know, prime rib, and it was just wonderful. We had presents and drinks, and it was just really, really good time just with our immediate family. And there's just something as I get older that I enjoy Christmas even more, even though I a lot of times receive less, because there's something about being a parent and watching your kids, you know, open presents and get so excited that it almost brings more joy than when, you know, you're younger and it's kind of about you. And so I, I just love it so much, the anticipation that gets built, just waiting for opening presents. And we all show up to my parents' house and there's, you know, presents around the tree and kids want to open presents right away, but just in solid parent fashion, you make them wait. And so we had dinner and we had food and the, every five minutes you're like, can we open presents? Can we open presents? And we just kept saying, no, you got to wait just a little bit longer. We're going to finish our meal and you know whatnot. And so this anticipation is just building and building. And then finally, when, you know, we all gathered and we started opening presents. There's just something so special about seeing a kid's face light up, you know, when they open a, a new toy, they receive a new toy. And whether it be really small and insignificant toy, or it be like something, you know, really marvelous to them, something more expensive, like, doesn't really matter. Kids love getting new toys. And so just watching their face light up and just, you know, laugh and rip into stuff, like, it's just amazing. Just the fact that a kid gets a new toy and it just brings so much happiness to them. But, you know, we serve a God who is our Father who loves to give us new gifts as well. And whether that be, you know, spiritual gifts in our life or whether it be something that benefits us in our, in our life as well, like we serve a God who loves to get, give gifts. And, and he actually finds enjoyment just like, you know, you and me, we find enjoyment when we give gifts to our kids as well. And so he loves to do that. His heart is to give, you know, he, for God so loved the world that he gave. Like he, he wants to give something new to us. And he gives us what? He gives us new life through his son, Jesus, that when we open our heart to him and we say yes to him, we receive this new life. Um, we get new perspective. I mean, God loves to give us new things. And one day, God is going to make all that is broken, all that is evil, all the suffering in this world, he's going to make it new again. And he's going to find so much enjoyment in us receiving that new gift 
of a new heaven and a new earth. And over the past few weeks, we've, we've looked at the, the first advent of Jesus, the first coming of Jesus when he came to this world in the form of a baby. And he lived this sinless life and then you know, died on the cross for you and me, for our sin, that we could be with him forever. And then we've also looked at uh, the, the second advent, the second coming of Jesus, when he will not return as a baby, but he will return as the triumphant king. And he will take all of us with him to spend eternity. And today we're going to look in kind of this last idea where Jesus in the book of Revelation, this book really about the second coming and the end of times and really the beginning of eternity, this book is what Jesus is recorded saying in Revelation 21, verse 5, where he says, He who is seated on the throne said, Behold, which we began this series talking about behold, which is to stand in awe and be amazed, that we're going to stand in awe and be amazed one day. He says, Behold, I am making all things new. And he also said, Write this down. For those of you who are skeptical, those of you who doubt that you feel like this world is too broken to find repair, that you feel like there's too much suffering for anyone to make any good cause out of it, that your life might be in too much disarray for really anyone to make it all new again, he said, for those who might find this a little bit <clears throat> doubtful, he said, write it down because this is trustworthy and this is true that behold, I am going to make all things new. And when we read out of the book of Revelation, it's really good to remember that this is a revelation that God gives his church to you and to me. And it's a revelation about Jesus Christ. The greatest purpose of this book is to show us Jesus. It's to show us Jesus Christ. And a suffering church, people waiting for Christ's return to come back, does not need necessarily a detailed forecast of future events, what is going to happen tomorrow, what's going to happen this day. I want to know the day and the hour. But the church needs a vision of the exalted Christ to encourage us in the last days. We see Jesus Christ standing in the midst of these churches. We see him portrayed as the Lamb of God who died for our sins in the world. We see him as the one who rules and reigns forever and ever. He is the one who takes the church to be with him in the new heaven and the new earth where we'll all worship him forever and ever. That's the vision that we need. It's not a vision of what exactly will happen tomorrow, but it's a vision of Jesus ruling and reigning and making all things new again. And if you really could see the future, would you want to? I've spent some time thinking about this. If, if you could actually look into the future, what a year looks like, what 10 years looks like, what 50 years looks like down the road, would you actually want to know? And my first thought was, yeah, I, I think I would. Be, it would be interesting to know what my life's going to look like in 50 years. What were the things that took place? What were the, the things I could have dodged? What were the things that I, I, I could have accomplished? But as I thought about it more and more, I thought, would I live differently 
if I knew the outcome? If I knew the outcome, would I actually live any different? Or would I live with much more apathy, knowing that would, would the good times be as good if I knew about them ahead of time? Would the bad times, would they bring so much uh, more perspective than if I knew something was gonna happen? And I figured that no, I wouldn't wanna know. Because in all of life's mysteries and all that God says, when he says one day, you don't know the day, but one day I'm gonna make all things new, that in my mind fosters a life lived with anticipation. A life lived with waiting and preparing for the day versus a life lived with apathy. One day God's gonna come, he's gonna wipe all my suffering away, and for now, I'll live my life because grace abounds and God will take care of that. I believe a life would be lived with apathy if we knew exactly what our future looked like. But we don't, and so our days are numbered. We don't know the hour or the time. We just know that one day God said, I will make all things new. And so we get to live with expectation in anticipation of the day, that our hearts and our lives would be ready. And I love that Jesus is about making all things new. I love this statement that he says, one day I'm gonna make everything new and this is trustworthy, this is true. You can write that check and take it to the bank and cash it any day of the week, even on Sundays. That is trustworthy and true. I just love that Jesus is about new things. He's all about taking a broken life and giving it new life, new perspective, a new hope, and making it new again. Through our faith in Jesus, through us saying yes to him, he gives us newness in our life. And one day he's going to take all the broken and make it all new again. I love that he takes broken people and gives it a new life. This last Wednesday, uh, we, we do this Wednesday once a month that's called Big Wednesday. And Big Wednesday is an awesome time because we know that we serve a big God. And we know that God has a relentless love for all the students across the world and all the students here in Spokane. So we do this night once a month that we call Big Wednesday. We try and make everything a little bigger, more grandiose, more fun. And with the intent that students would bring their friends who may not know Jesus or may have never been to church, come and experience a, a, a church that, that loves them, that cares for them, that they have a fun time, they experience Jesus, and the hope is that they would have newness in their life, that their life would be made new again. So this last Wednesday was this ugly sweater Christmas party, and so we just had you know, 100, 120 students come, and they're like in you know, their ugly sweaters, and we're just having fun. We have Santa here, we're playing fun games, and it was really great, but the best part about it was that there was, at the end of this night, there was 10 students who said yes to Jesus for the newness in their life. How amazing that is, that, yeah, it's great. That, that 10 students, I know one day will be in eternity, they'll be in heaven with me, with you, because they said yes to Jesus in their life. And that's just amazing to think about that God loves you and me and loves these students so much that he would pursue them and give them a new life, new perspective. 
Just this last Sunday, we had uh, our college night, and one of our youth leaders called me and said, hey, I have a friend. Uh, she really wants to get, she's been a Christian, but she really wants to get baptized. She knows it's her next step in faith. Could we baptize her tonight? This was last Sunday, and I'm like, well, heck yeah, we'll baptize her tonight. So we wheel the baptismal into the lobby, and we fill it up, and here's this sweet girl from Whitworth who had said yes to Jesus and knew that, that baptism was the next step in her faith, and, and we talked about it, and she knew that, you know, as you get baptized, it's this symbol of what the inward change that has already taken place. It's this outward expression of that inward newness that is there, and that as you go under, the old is washed away, and the new creation is here. We baptized this girl, and it was just wonderful. It's just wonderful to be a part of, and you've been a part of some of these probably, where you've seen people say yes to Jesus, or they've been baptized, they take that next step of faith, the newness in their life. And I love that we're a part of a church who is all about saying yes to Jesus. We're all about that new step of faith. We're all about that newness in our life. We're all about finding other people in our community who need Jesus and, and bring them face-to-face uh, -face with his love that they might say, yes, I want a new heart and I want a new life. And I love that Jesus loves us enough. God loves us so much that he would die that we might have eternity forever. Jesus is in the restoration business. And I love that. And so for you this morning, maybe think of this question as we continue on in this talk of where do you need to be made new? Where do you need to be made new? Because we serve a God who wants to give you good gifts, and he wants to see you to receive that. He wants to make all things one, one day new, but he also wants to make newness happen in your own life. Where do you need to be made new? Maybe for you, it's spiritually you just feel like you're distant from God. And you just want to be made new again where you have that fervent passion to follow and serve him. God wants to make that new. For you, maybe it's in your marriage. You know you need newness there. You want that to be made new. God wants and cares about your needs. Maybe it's financially. God wants to bring newness in your life. Maybe it's in a broken relationship. God wants to restore that relationship and bring newness there. And at Christmas, we celebrate Emmanuel, which is God with us. The, the, uh, in Matthew, it says that the virgin will conceive a child, and you will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is the first advent of Jesus, the coming of Jesus, that he is with us. And that's why we celebrate and we also live with this hope of heaven and eternity in the presence of God. But in order to really understand what we're looking forward to, we also have to begin looking back to the way God originally made our earth, made humanity, and was with Adam and Eve at creation. We serve a God who wants to be with us, and we see this very clearly in the very beginning of Genesis, where he's with Adam and Eve. And it provides this clearest picture of God with us. And it will be ultimately expressed in heaven and eternity. And the way God shared his presence with Adam and Eve at creation demonstrates his heart for them, but also for us as well, that he wants to be with us. And one day he's gonna make all things that are broken new. So in Genesis 1, 27, it says, so God created mankind. 
in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish and the the sea and the birds of the sky and every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours. God says some very specific things here, that, that he was with them, that he created them. He took time and energy to create this unique, complex person that he thought his imagination and all his uniqueness, he made Adam and Eve. And in that creativity, he came up with this entire universe in our world. And he said that it's really good. This was part of his masterpiece. And he went so far to invest some of his own image into them, making them and you and I image bearers of the God of the universe. What does this mean? This means that we are more than just a chance of a combination of chromosomes and circumstantial uh, uh, events that took place in our DNA. But God put us together. He created you and your very own uniqueness and that you have the likeness of God in you and that we're blessed. He blessed them and and he he spoke encouragement over them and he extended favor toward them and, and he pronounced this word of blessing to propel their life in a positive direction. And God's heart is to bless us, to give us things that were, that, that would help us in our life, that he's favorably inclined to you. And it also said that he said to them, which he entered into conversation, that he was close, that he was right there with them. And that means that he wants to engage in a conversation with us, that he wants to share his thoughts, his ideas, his instructions, just like he did with Adam and Eve, but with us. And it also said that he gave He gave them everything they needed for a productive life. He gave them plants and food, and God expressed his love itself by giving to them. And God gives us everything we need physically and spiritually. God's heart is to give us good things in our life. And all of this is really good, yet God also gave Adam and Eve the gift of free will. This free will to choose uh, what you do in your life, to choose whether the decision of will you love God or will you not, he gave him this choice of free will. And he gives that to us as well. Yet we see what God intended for this wonderful relationship with creation and humanity and mankind that ultimately Adam and Eve, through their own free will, they chose a sinful act. And they chose to go against God. And so through that... What happened is brokenness and sin entered into our world, essentially cursing our world until God would make it new again. That things are broken, there's evil, there's sinfulness, that you and I, we, we're born with sin in us. And that we need to, our own spirit needs to be uh, regenerated and be made new. But we live now in a world that is broken and it is counter to God's intent for creation and humanity. So God's plan for us then is through the act of redemption, which we've looked at 
essentially over the last couple weeks that part of God's redemptive plan was to send his son Jesus Christ as a baby to live that sinless life and to die, to die for the sins of Adam and Eve, but also for all the sins of the world, for your sin and my sin. And that through that, we would be made right with God spiritually and that we would have the hope of eternity by saying yes to him and receiving his gift of salvation in our life. But then we also looked at part of that redemptive plan will be Christ's second coming, where he comes as king from the heavens and he brings his whole church with him. That God's intent is this redemptive story from creation to where we're looking. And ultimately, it culminates with you and I being with him forever, eternally in heaven that one day he's going to make all things new, all the brokenness in our world, all the brokenness in our relationship, the suffering, the pain, the evil will be made right and be made new. And Jesus will rule forever and ever in eternity. And what this means for us is heaven, it's where we belong. It's, it's, it's where we get to be with Jesus. John 14, one says this, Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me that you also may be where I am. That ultimately Jesus wants to be with us that Jesus has gone and prepared a place for us, that he says it's this house with many rooms that all hopefully would be with him, that we'd be with Jesus. And I love this picture because not only is it a picture of the Father's heart for you and me, but it also is a great picture of what the church can be to others, what the church can be to humanity on this earth. And I love that we're a wonderful picture of this as a church. That God says that my house has many rooms, not just a few rooms for a few select people. It's not just the heart of God isn't just for a few Christians, but it's for everyone, literally everyone, no matter your lifestyle, no matter what your marriage looks like, no matter who you are, no matter the race you are, no matter the choices you've made in life, that God goes and prepares a place for everyone. And I love the story of the prodigal son, which is uh, this parable about the son who leaves his father. Jesus tells this, and he goes and just kind of screws his whole life up. And he just lives a very reckless, idiotic life. And then he comes back, and what? The father, what does he do? He embraces him fully into his own arms and back into his home. And I love that this is the picture of the church that we get to be a part of. That the picture of the church should be that there's room for everyone, no matter who you are. God loves the entire world. He loves everybody. And so we get to be a church who extends that same love to the community around us. That here at this church, it's for everyone not just a select group of Christians, 
not for just a certain socioeconomical class that has their life together, not just for select people, but it is for everyone. That God's heart, whether it be your heart or not, God's heart is that he loves the world and that he wants everyone to be with him where he is one day. And I love that we're a part of a church who models that so well through the way that we give to our community and we build bridges that bridge the gap between brokenness and Jesus. I love that we're a church who, who invites people who are hurting and broken into our walls. We invite people who may look different than us, who might have different cho- life choices than us into our walls so they may encounter Jesus, who he is, and hopefully they would say yes to him and have the newness inside them as well because that is God's heart. And I love that we're a part of a church who models that so well. Also, heaven... It's where suffering ends one day. For all the people in the world who are broken and for you and for me, where we experience pain and we experience loss and we experience grief and we experience shame, one day all of that will go away. And Revelation 21 verse four says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore. For, for the former things have passed away And then right after that, he says, behold, I'm making all things new. That heaven one day will be a place where all grief and sadness and mourning and pain and brokenness and evil will be made right. The evil will stand in judgment. The good will stand in judgment. All will stand. And one day he will make all things new again. And in my own life, it you know, it makes me think of my own life, the areas where I've lost, the areas where I feel imperfect, my own anxiety that I carry, shame I carry about past events, current sin, looking forward to meeting the brother, my younger brother that I never knew. I cannot wait till the day that the loss in life, the pain in life and the relational brokenness and evil in this world will be no more because God's heart is to make all things new again. And heaven is where we belong. It's where we belong. We don't belong here. And it can be so easy to get stuck on, I want to stay and I want this to be really good and I want other people to stay with me and I want relationships to be good here and that's great, but we don't belong here. We belong in heaven. Philippians 3.20 says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. That is, heaven will be for us what the Garden of Eden was intended for, for Adam and Eve in the original creation story that we'll experience the God, how God was with Adam and Eve right there. We'll experience that level of relationship and awe and wonder in heaven. The very thing that God originally intended in creation is what we will experience in heaven. And all our experience of being created by God, blessed by God, spoken to by God and given life by God 
has been an imperfect, all the way up until this point, a mere shadow or preface of what is ultimately heaven and eternity. And heaven will see ourselves as God sees us. We will experience and recognize the blessings of God. We will hear God's voice clearly and understand him without confusion. Our experience of salvation and saying yes to him will no longer be a matter of faith looking forward, but it will be an experience of objective reality happening in real time, that we're experiencing Jesus and his heart in real time. Understanding this future reality, it sets us free from our current reality. I love what C.S. Lewis said, that he said, aim at heaven and you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you'll gain neither. I love this because if we live with anticipation and we live with the thought of eternity one day and how can I have the mindset of that, we will experience all the joy and the fulfillment that earth has to offer. Yet, if we only seek the fulfillment and the joy that earth has to offer, in the end, you'll miss both. And I love how he put that so plainly and so clearly, that when we live with this understanding of the future, this reality, it sets us free sets us free from our current reality, which means that it sets us free to hope rather than to fear. It sets us free to trust rather than to worry about your life and about all the things that are gonna happen. It sets us free to love others rather than looking just to be loved and to find fulfillment in how others view you. It sets us free to behold Jesus and look at him for who he is, to stand in awe and be amazed of the wonderful things that God has done, is doing, and will do. That this reality helps us look up to Jesus instead of looking down so closely at our life, that we're set free to live on this earth with the reality of the future eternity And so that means that we don't live with the grace abounds mindset, that I can do what I want and God will just save me one day, even though that probably is true if you've said yes to him. But it helps us live with purpose, that this life isn't just about my day in and day out job and kids and family, but it helps us live with purpose that one day I'm going to be in the Father's house. And there's room for every single person in humanity. That the the heart of the Father, the heart of Jesus is that he would be with everyone. And it gives us the purpose as Jesus ascended into heaven and said, go into all the earth and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That one day we would all be with him. And it gives us purpose to accomplish that. That one day, hopefully, Every person could be in the Father's house forever. Let's live with anticipation. Live with the view of eternity that is forever. Live with that mindset. And through that, 
If we live with the view of eternity and we aim at that, we'll gain the joy of this earth as well. And as we end here, I want to bring that question back one more time. Where in your life do you need to be made new? Where in your life have you been maybe aiming at earth? Where in your life do you need newness of God to enter in? Whether it be in your marriage, parenting, whether it be in school, broken relationships, finances, the heart of the Father is that he would give wonderful gifts and bring newness and restoration in your life. He doesn't withhold stuff just to make you feel it just a little bit more. He gives it to you and he wants to bring newness today. And so with that in mind, what that may be, let's pray. God, we love you and we thank you that your heart is for us. God, we wanna live lives with anticipation of one day we'll be with you forever. God, we pray that your own heart for humanity, God, that we would resemble that in the smallest fraction of a way, that we would love people so well, no matter who they are, that one day they would be with you and with me forever, Jesus. Lord, and we pray for the areas that we need newness in our life. God, we know that your word says you're making all things new, and these are trustworthy and true words. God, and we pray in the areas of our life that feel broken, that feel apathetic, that where we feel discouraged. God, we pray with the power of your name, Jesus Christ, Lord, that you bring newness in our life. God, that we would aim at heaven and not at earth. God, that we would find joy and fulfillment in the purpose that you've given us. God, and you'd breathe life into us today and that we'd walk away different and we'd bring hope to a hurting and broken world. Lord, we love you and thank you. Amen. Well, we live in between Jesus coming that we celebrate at Christmas and the second coming of Jesus returning again. He's coming back for you. And I love that, that we're right in between that and we want to set our aim on heaven so that we get both heaven and earth. Amen to that? Let's stand up together. If you're here and you're new, I'd love to meet you. I'll be right over there just to give you a couple ideas of how you can better connect here. If you have any prayer needs in your life, anything going on, we would love to pray with you. Our prayer team will be right over here on this side of the stage. We'll see you on Christmas Eve, one of those three services. God bless you.